The following audio is from Abner Creek Baptist Church. For more information, visit www.abnercreekbaptist.com. I invite you to take your copy of God's Word and open with me to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. While you're turning there, um, again, just want to say a word of thanks to all those people that had anything to do with the youth retreat. They're not back yet, but just a great retreat. And... Uh, Lana and I realized something on this trip kind of hit very hard uh, for us for the very first time. As we were there and we were in that cabin and Ethan and Emily were there and Donald and Collier were there and Greg and Whitney, we looked around and we thought, when did we become the old people? (laughs) It was just very apparent, you know, and... and, uh, it hit pretty hard, and, and we laid in bed that night. We actually, they, we were the only ones in the whole place that, uh, we were the only couple that, uh, that married couple uh, that, uh, or, or otherwise, that, uh, that had their own bedroom. And, and we thought, why did he give us our own bedroom? Does he, does he think we're really that old and decrepit? And, and we laid there in bed that night, and we thought, when did we become the old people? And uh, as I thought about that, I also thought about how, that is in itself a blessing. So I look at Ethan and Greg and Donald and others. It caused me to begin to think and think about the last um, 20 years of being in, in vocational ministry and thinking about kids throughout the past, people who've come up under, and I've had the blessing just to serve as youth pastor or pastor. And so many of them are truly like children. Not, not children in a derogatory way, but children in a way that God has blessed us to have spiritual influence over people throughout our lives. I think we know greater privilege. Amen? Many of you have had that privilege as well, and that's what I want to talk about this morning. Fathers and children, or parents and kids, not in, not in the sense that you would think I would be talking about, not in an earthly, physical sense, but in a spiritual sense. Um, we can relate. We can, we can make some connections here on the physical level, on the earthly level. Uh, how many of you parents uh, feel like you're doing everything well? You've always got it all together. You feel like my kids are just lucky to have me. Anybody ever feel like that? We have our moments, don't we? We may come in and swoop in and save the day and keep them from blowing the house up. And we say, my kids are lucky to have me. If not, you know, this thing would have gone down very, very poorly. But then other days, the kids walk in and save us from blowing the house up, you know. And, uh, and, and other days, we don't feel like we're doing as good a job. Other days, there are people in here and all across this room that you think, I'm failing. I'm failing as a parent. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't have a relationship with my kids anymore. Time has sort of come in between us. I don't, I don't think I'm as cool as they once did. I'm, maybe this is just my own experience having preteen and a teenager now. But some of you are right there and you think, I, just, I think I'm failing as a parent. Some of you are sitting here in this room today and you're thinking, boy, I'd just like to have kids. I would, just, I would just like to be able to have kids. You know, never been able to have that. It's been a dream of mine. I thought about Donald and Collier as we were there within this weekend and how it wasn't that long ago that Collier was pregnant and on their way to having their first child. And we got that phone call and met them at the hospital. And shortly after that, 
uh, call your miscarried, and they'd hoped for that baby. They found out they weren't going to be able to have a baby of their own, and so they began the adoption process. They were going to adopt a, a baby from Russia, just started, just a couple of months ago, started that process, and then this dictator in Russia brings down this order that no more adoptions to U.S. citizens. Sort of the second time, Donald and Collier, just again, that womb seems to be closed, both physically and figuratively. Will they ever have kids? Some of you are in here today and you think, you know, I think I made mistakes with my kids. I don't have the relationship today because they're adults and they're grown and they're gone and I wish I had those back. Well, we can't do anything about some of that. We can trust the Lord and say, God, you know what I need and, and you will bless me with however you will bless me and so, God, I'm going to trust you. But today I want to talk to you about spiritual children, fathers and their kids, mothers and their kids. We want to use this passage as Paul writes to and speaks to those he considers to be his kids in the faith. I want to give you context because it's been a a few weeks since we've been in 1 Corinthians. So let's scoot back to the very first verse of chapter 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, may or may not be on the screen, doesn't have to be, will be in 14 through 21, but I'm going to read the whole chapter to you today just to remind you of where we are. Paul writes to them, This is how one should regard us, as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found trustworthy. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I don't even judge myself, for I'm not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It's the Lord who judges me. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. I've applied all these things to myself and to Paulus for your benefit, brothers, that you may learn by us not to go beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up in favor of one against another. For who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, then why do you boast as if you didn't receive it? Already you have what you want, sarcasm. Already you have become rich. Without us you have become kings, and would that you did reign so that we might share the rule with you. For I think that God has exhibited us apostles as last of all, like men sentenced to death, because we have become a spectacle to the world, to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. We, you are held in honor, but we in disrepute. To the present hour, we hunger and thirst. We are poorly dressed and buffeted and homeless, and we labor working with our own hands. When reviled, we bless. When persecuted, we endure. When slandered, we entreat. We have become and are still like the scum of the world, the refuse of all things. And here's our text for this morning. I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as beloved children. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then, be imitators of me. That is why I sent you Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere in every church. Some are arrogant, 
as though I were not coming to you. But I will come to you soon, if the Lord wills, and I will find out not the talk of these arrogant people, but their power. For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. What do you wish? Shall I come to you with a rod or with love and a spirit of gentleness? This is a father giving a talking to to his kids. This is a father who loves his kids and is willing to confront. And this is Paul here giving us an example of what we should be for one another. I said to you last week as we launched and cast that vision for 2013, that one of the parts of that is that, that we would intentionally engage one another in intentional disciple-making. We're going to ask you to, to take responsibility for one or two other people. Be submitted to another person to where you can learn from and also are pouring into someone else. And this passage gives us a great picture of some of the things that will be required of you. So if you're one of those people that just is crazy, just off the rocker and thinks, hey, the Word of God really is right and it calls me to action and I probably should do something with what the preacher is standing up there saying. And you're thinking that maybe 2013, maybe I could take on a disciple. I know that's crazy to think about, right? But maybe you're just one of those nutso people that says, maybe I could do that. Well, there's some real practical handles for you to take on a spiritual child and pour into them today. I want to show you just a few things. I want to point out a few things about fathers and children. Number one is that we should never get over being beloved children ourselves. I mean, don't miss that. In verse 14, he says to them, I don't write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. Paul's writing to a group of church members who are, yes, they're misbehaving, and yes, they're believing some wrong things, but he loves them. He loves them not because of anything intrinsically within them. He loves them because he knows that the gospel came to them with power. All the way through, he has referred to them as saints. He's not cast them out, even though he's, he's upset with them and he's frustrated at times, and he, he just wants to kick them out. He never stops calling them brother. He never stops calling them sister. He never quits referring to them as family members. And I believe there is a message for you and I today. If you are here today and you also have received the gospel in power, there was a day when the gospel came to light for you. You knew you needed to repent of your sins and trust Christ alone. Then you also know that you are a child of God. And you know there's times when you don't obey perfectly and you don't think perfectly. I think back over those 20 years and I think about some of the things that I taught in those first years. And I think, man, I didn't know anything. I believed wrong things. My faith was so shallow. My doctrine was was so empty. Yet God walked with me faithfully. I'm not through yet. Just like Paul writes, I don't consider that I have already achieved or arrived, but I press on, forgetting those things before, and I press on toward the goal of the upward call of Christ. And I believe that in this room, that one of the things that we need to be reminded at the outset of 2013 is that it is, a, it is nothing short of miraculous that you and I are children of God. That there was a point where you were hopeless where you, you were on the outside, 
Let me just read to you a couple of passages and, and let this sink in. Galatians chapter 4 says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of, of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. I told you before that the language there of son doesn't just apply to those who are male in gender. It also applies to females. And this is a wonderful thing that you and I, male or female, Jew or Greek, we have been brought into the family of God. That we have been made heirs with Christ. Just so we dwell on what it means to be an heir, a son of God. Ephesians 1, 16-19 says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you. What are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe according to the working of His great might? There was a time before you came to know Christ as Lord and Savior. You may have been raised in a church. You may have been raised so far away from the church that you never dreamed you'd be sitting here today. But there came a point. Many of you, maybe it was in a service. For me, it was around, in and around vacation Bible school. But maybe, maybe you were in one of those places or maybe somewhere else, but there came a point where prior to that moment when the Spirit of God broke into your life and called you from death to life, you were like a child sitting in an orphanage in a foreign country somewhere, just hopeless, just part of the system. And then one day, God the Father walks into your life. And he takes a look at you in your hopeless state. And he says, I want that one. He doesn't do it because of how you look or, or what you can bring to the table because he looks at you in your hopeless state and there is nothing about you that is desirable whatsoever. But he looks at you, he looked at you and he said, I want that one. Mine. And I talked to Donald and Collier before the Russian adoption process was was thwarted and I talked to them about the process of what it would take for them to go and, and, and bring home a child from Russia. And Donald said, well, it's probably somewhere in the neighborhood of, and he wasn't, he wasn't complaining, he was just giving me facts. He said, it's probably somewhere in the neighborhood of about $40,000 in this process altogether. And he said, we'll, we'll, make, we'll wind up making three, possibly four trips over to Russia before we ever come back with our child. They have to go to Russia and, and begin that process, and they have to fill out the paperwork in person. They have to visit that orphanage and then come home without a child. Just imagine that, going, going there and seeing this orphanage and seeing those children in that place and coming home without a child. He said, then we'll have to go back, and we'll have to go back for an interview, and we'll, in that interview process, we'll, we'll also be approved, and we'll also get to meet the child, and we'll get to see our child in that process. But we won't then be able to bring this child home. Instead, we'll get back on a plane and we'll fly back here and we'll have to wait again for us to get the final word that we can come take our child. And finally, we'll go and we'll 
take a third trip, maybe a fourth trip, and go and we'll bring home our child. You see the labor there of parents who desperately want the child and think about that child who desperately needs a home. And there was a point where you and I were on the inside without any hope, without anyone to claim us or take us. We were simply hopeless. And God came in and said, I want that one. Don't ever get over that. When we sing these songs, when we, when we talk about that Jesus is all to us, let it be rooted in this. That we never get over the fact that we are the beloved children of God. Secondly, I want you to see in this text this morning that we should not ever miss our call that we are to be fathers. Now again, ladies in the room, this is not a derogatory statement. In the same way that sons also applies to you, this also is a command for you as well. You also have been called to be fathers, be parents, that we are to be people who produce children. Not in a physical sense, but in a spiritual sense. Paul says in verse 15, For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers, for I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Now the word guides here is a word, it was, it was, a, it was a term that simply meant a servant. Typically, sometimes it was a slave. Think the help. Who was put in charge of the child. In charge to, charged with the responsibility to teach the child and care for the child, make sure the, the child was was accompanied at all times. And Paul says to them, you've got, you've got all kinds of guides. Some translations say 10,000 guides. The translation probably means more like countless. You've got numerous guides. Think about all the people in your life who have ever taught you anything in the church. But he says, you don't have many fathers. I'm your father. Paul says this because he knows that most of the people there in the church at Corinth were led to faith in Christ by him personally. And he doesn't take this lightly. Paul saw every single person that he had led to Christ as his own dear child. Writing to Philemon, when he had received Philemon's um, escaped slave, runaway slave, and Paul led him to faith in Christ, he writes to Philemon and says, I appeal to you, For my child, Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. In referring to the Galatians, he writes this. He refers to them as my little children, for whom I am in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. Paul looks at those who he's led to Christ and and he longs for them to grow up in the Lord. He never, never severs that relationship. And just as Paul felt an enormous joy and responsibility in fathering children, so should we. In the garden, in the story of creation, God said to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply. He gave them a physical mandate to populate the earth. After he was crucified and raised from the dead, he said to his disciples before he ascended back to the Father, he said to them, go therefore and make disciples. It's not a physical mandate as much as it is a spiritual mandate. It requires physical activity, but there is spiritual work that he's commanding us to. And every single one of us has that responsibility. And this is where we are failing as a church. We're failing in Christianity. Because we've made it okay for us to come in and live our entire lives simply coming to church. And never owning the responsibility to be fathers and mothers of spiritual children. 
I could take a poll, but I won't. I won't have you raise your hand. I won't have you sign your name or, or put you up on a screen anywhere. But there's many of you probably sitting in this room today who have never led anyone to Christ. Some of you feel guilty about that, and some of you don't. Some of you have never given it a thought. You hear preachers talk about it sometimes, and maybe there's a little twinge of guilt in that moment, but when will you ever step out on faith and begin to walk in someone's life and begin to pour the gospel into them, live in such a way that they see Christ in you, but also speak in such a way that they hear the articulated gospel? Don't miss the fact that we have all been called to father children. Who is it that, that has been born into the kingdom because of your witness? In 2013, will this be the year when you finally lead someone to faith in Christ? Will this be the year when you finally take someone on and begin to disciple them and pour into them? All of us have this mandate and this call on our life. Many believers will die without spiritual sons or daughters. Many will neglect their children and leave them without the guidance that they need. And this has been the stance of the church for a number of years. For a number of years, and particularly in the 80s and 90s, we were very good at, at giving an invitation, giving a gospel appeal and giving a gospel call. And we were good at getting people to walk an aisle, maybe to get wet going through a, a baptismal pool. But that's where we left them. We simply said, come to faith in Jesus, but then we never, we, we never gave them the attention that they needed. And many churches are floundering today full of strife and discord because the people who are filling those pews and those chairs every single week are immature because no one has walked with them as a father should a son. Deuteronomy chapter 6 gives instructions for fathers with their children to, to talk about these things as you walk along your way to write them on the doorposts of your, your, your house, to mull them over with your kids as you tuck them in at night. Is there anybody in your life, if you're a believer here today, is there anybody in your life that you are taking responsibility for and saying, you know what, I don't know everything. I'm not where I need to be. But maybe I'm, maybe I'm a little further on than this person. Maybe I could help this person to know what it is to follow Christ. Maybe, maybe I could show them how I read my Bible. Maybe I could show them how to talk to God. Maybe I, maybe I could just get together with them once a week, sit down over a cup of coffee, and, and just talk about what, what the pastor said on Sunday, or, or get together with someone outside of my Sunday school class and just say, hey, you know what, what they said up there from the front Sunday? Well, what did you think about that? Is there somebody this year that you could take and say, I will be a father to them? Maybe you didn't lead them to Christ, but maybe you see them and know they need someone to walk alongside of them. And let's be honest. I said to you last week that sometimes we don't feel comfortable doing that because we feel like we're going to offend someone by approaching them. Sometimes we feel like we're the one who needs to be approached, but we would not want to humble ourselves and admit that in front of this congregation. Let me tell you something, if we're ever going to get past where we are right now, as a church, you individually, it will be when we humble ourselves and say, we're not all that we're supposed to be yet in Christ. But by the grace of God, by his word and with his spirit, we're going to help push each other toward Christ-likeness. We're going to be fathers to one another, pushing each other on. Find somebody, pray 
that God would show you someone. Share your faith. Lead people to Christ and then walk with them through the disciple-making process. We're going to be helping you in days to come with that. A couple more things. In verse 14, again, going back there. So what does that look like when we walk through? What do fathers do? If we're called to father, what do they do? Well, in verse 14, fathers admonish their children. Fathers admonish their children. Again, I'll read this to you. I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. Admonish is a word that means to warn. A better way to, to capture, though, the real meaning of this is seeking to have a corrective influence on that person's life. I could take you back today to the end of Allensville Road in Sevierville, Tennessee, in the early 1980s, sitting in the front seat of of Dad's car, getting ready to pull out onto Highway 66, and seeing my dad looking both ways. There was no traffic light. It was simply a stop sign. And seeing a car coming, but the car had its turn signal on to turn right, which would mean he would turn right before us so that Dad said, well, it's okay to go. And my dad started to pull out into the highway. Well, what he didn't realize was that car that was coming had inadvertently left their signal light on. And as he started to ease out, he realized they're not going to turn, and they were coming straight for us. So Dad slammed the brakes on. They swerved, laid on their horn, probably shot us the bird, yelled some things at us. And my dad turned and looked at me, and he said, Son, I want to warn you, when you start to drive one day, don't ever trust a signal. When someone's turned, it doesn't mean they're always going to turn. They may have forgotten and left it on. Now, he had just messed up. He had just made the mistake he was warning me not to make. But Dad could have, in that moment, he could have shook his fist and yelled some things and maybe done some things back to that car, right? I mean, I was in the car on Halloween night. I can take you back to that place, too, where some kids egged my dad's car, and we took off, and that... It was scary. I'll just say that. He chased them down. But Dad could have done those things. But in that moment, Dad looks at me and he says, this is a teachable moment. And why? I'm 38 years old. Why? Why all these years later do I remember that? Because my dad in that moment took the time to admonish me. And this is what we're given the responsibility to do with our earthly children, but also with our spiritual children. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4 says, Fathers, don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and, and instruction of the Lord. And this is what we are called to do. We're to look for areas of weakness and use Scripture to warn and to correct, to say this may one day trip him up. This may one day bring her down. So as spiritual father or spiritual mother, I'm going to warn them now. I'm going to look for these areas where I see them letting their guard down, and I'm going to try to bring corrective influence into their lives. We are to use the Word of God to do this. This is why 2 Timothy chapter 3 says, All Scripture is inspired, it's breathed out by God, and profitable for teaching for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man or the woman of God may be thoroughly equipped, adequately trained for every good work. 
Fathers, admonish their children. Fathers, teach by example. Verses 16 and 17, he says, I urge you then, be imitators of me. That's why I sent you, Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere in every church. When Paul here says, be imitators of me, he's not making an arrogant statement. This is not celebrity pastor. This is him being humble. He's not saying, imitate me in my sinful fleshly self. What he's saying is what he said to them in 11.1 of 1 Corinthians. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Sadly, most kids don't hear, imitate me. Most, Most kids don't hear their dad say to them, hey, 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 listen to me. Do as I do. Instead, many of you have heard, many of you have said, Do as I say, not as I do. Some of you had fathers that were standing there and they had that cigarette in their mouth and they knew they couldn't kick this habit and they puffing out this smoke and they looked down at you standing beside them and they said, son, let me tell you something. Do as I say, don't do as I do. Don't ever start this. Many of you have heard, this is what you should think. Let me tell you what you should do. But what a child needs is for a father, a mother to come alongside them and say, let me show you how to do it. Paul knows this, and that's why he says to them, imitate me. I want to show you because I'm not interested simply in you believing the right things. I'm interested in you doing the right things. Paul had reproduced himself, and he says, that's why I sent Timothy to you. But he didn't reproduce the old sinful self, the one that was persecuting Christians and arresting them and having them stoned. Instead, he reproduces the one who was a new creature in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. To send Timothy was as good as coming himself. Timothy was like his father because Paul was like his father. And what the church needs, what we need 2013 to produce for us as a church, it's for people to stand up. Hear me, church. It's for people to stand up and say, you know what? My holiness matters. My obedience matters. God is worthy of not just my worship with my voice and with my hands, but also with my living. The discipleship, the maturity of other believers around you will come in direct correlation as we begin to say, we should be holy. Now, don't hear me saying the answer is for you to just try harder. Just do. Because you can't change without the grace of God. When you find yourself in behavior that is unbecoming of a believer, what you should do is is not say, well, I'm going to try harder. But instead what you should do is to say, God, I don't want to do this anymore. God, help me to stop this behavior. Forgive me and turn to Christ. Over time, you'll see him change that behavior in you. And as you and I in this congregation are faithful to repent over and over and over again, God will produce in us a holiness that is transparent and that is catchy. And we will begin to influence one another. Who do you have in your life that you are leading by example. 
Sometimes it takes you just getting with someone, a particular person, routinely and regularly. Some of you won't, you won't get with that person to disciple them because you believe all of discipleship is simply sitting down and teaching them. But oftentimes what you need to do is say, hey, hey, I've got to run to the store and pick this up. You going to ride with me? Put them in the car and let them go. And as they see how you interact with the, with the person at the stores, they see how you drive. and have, Well, maybe that's not a good example, but, you know, as they see these things in you, you are leading them by example. Fathers teach by example, both with their mouths and with their lives. They are leading others to follow Christ. The last is this. Fathers They don't just admonish their children and teach by example, but they also discipline when their kids misbehave. Fathers discipline when kids misbehave. In 18 through 21, he says, some some of you are arrogant. He's been talking really to the the whole church at, at Corinth. And now he begins to put the spotlight on just a few that are troublemakers, that are having this influence. But don't miss the fact that he's still talking to the whole congregation. Some are arrogant. As though I were not coming to you, but I will come to you soon, if the Lord wills, and I will find out not the talk of these arrogant people, but their power. For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. What do you wish? Shall I come to you with a rod or with love and a spirit of gentleness? They thought, as Paul was writing these letters to them, he wasn't present. They must have thought somewhere along the way that either they, that he wasn't coming back, Or that if he did, he would not be so bold as to confront them. They believed that they could do whatever they wanted to do, irregardless of what the Bible said, irregardless of what Paul had taught them. They believed they could do whatever they wanted to do and get away with it. He either wouldn't show up or he wouldn't confront. And what Paul says to them, I love this. Because so many times we we view church, we have packaged church in such a way that says we should all just come in, just be sweet to one another, Just put on a smile. Just say, amen, brother. And never really confront one another over our sin. And this is why so many men are walking away from the church. Because they know this is not how it works. This is not how God's wired them. And Paul looks at them and he writes this in the letter and he says, look, I want you to know that I will be back. And that I will confront you. And when I do, I'm going to find out whether you're just full of talk or whether there's any real power to what you're doing. Now, does that sound like a weak little boy writing in this letter? This is threatening. He says to them, he defines what power really is back in verse 18 of chapter 1 when he says the word of the cross it's foolishness to those who are perishing but to us who are being saved it is the power of God so Paul is the man who knows what power is the spirit attests the presence of the kingdom of God the reign of the gospel in the individual and in the church if there's any real power in your life the spirit will produce it he will bring it to be but if you're not a believer You can talk all you want to talk, but you will not have any real power. And Paul knows this. A true father will discipline when necessary. Paul looks at them in this letter and says, how do you want me to come? Do you want me to come bringing a rod? 
or do you want me to come in love in a spirit of gentleness? Now, <laughs> that's loud. All right. Um, I'll never forget. Many of you will never forget. And I, I won't tell the whole mule story. You can ask me about it later if you haven't heard it. But I'll never forget my dad looking at me and saying, all right, go cut a switch. You know, growing up in East Tennessee, I knew exactly what a switch was. I knew to go out and cut a limb off a tree. And it wasn't to be too thick or too thin. It was to be just right. And it was the kind of switch that when it came across the back of your legs, particularly in the summertime, when you were either hitting bare flesh or it was hitting those thin shorts that you were wearing, it was going to leave marks. And Paul here says to them, how do you want me to come? Do you want me to come with a rod? Because I can. I can come with a rod if you would like me to come with a rod. But notice the grace. Listen to me. Notice the grace in what Paul says. I'm giving you an opportunity. I'm giving you an opportunity to repent. I don't have to come with a rod. You see, both of these are gracious. If he does come with a rod, it is love. Because it is not loving for a father to neglect his children and to let them misbehave because he knows that if they continue to misbehave, they will hurt themselves. They will hurt others. If I see my son, I've got a picture on my phone, my son climbing a tree. He climbs up in that tree. And, and I'm telling you, I would have never went as high as he went. There's a picture of him up in this tree in our front yard. And he's up in the tops, in the very tops. And he's taking another step. And the limb is already bending over with him. And he's, he's up there. And, and he's not going to go any further. But that, that's where he's at. And I would have never gone that high. He's up there. What if I'm out in the front yard and he says, Dad, you know what? Hey, I'm up this high. I think the easiest way to get down, Dad, would be to just jump. Now, am I loving if I look at my son and say, sounds like a good idea, son. Try that. Just, you might want to watch those rocks right there. Just try to hit the grass. Am I loving if I do that? So Eliza's right. I'm not loving in that moment. I'm not loving in that moment. What I would be loving to do would be to look at my son and say, Son, if you do that, you're going to break bones and you're, you're, you're not going to want to ever climb a tree again. So I suggest you come down the right way. If a parent sees a child playing in traffic, they're to, they're to call them to themselves and say, Look, if you're playing out here, there's going to be cars that will run over you. Do not do it again. If the child begins to go again more discipline comes. And this is what Paul is doing here with these children, these spiritual children of his, that he longs for them to grow up in Christ. He says to them, if you want me to, I can come with a rod, but I don't want to have to do that. I want you to repent and change your behavior before I have to. But a father will discipline when he needs to. Proverbs 3, verse 12 says, For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. Church, I don't exactly know how to end this sermon to you today, but I'll say it this way. If you're here today and you've never never come to be a child of God, then today you can. 
The Bible says that, that if you would turn from your sin and trust Christ, that you can be born into the family of God today. You can go from your hopeless condition to one with the greatest hope you will ever know. If you're here today and you're a believer and you already have come into the family of God through the gospel, then don't ever get over that. But let's don't, let's don't be guilty of being a church that simply is content to sit and be stagnant and be like a sponge that sits on the counter that just wants to soak everything in. Instead, let us pour ourselves out into the lives of someone else in the lives of others, that we might lead them to Christ, that we might then walk with them as a father walks with a child, admonishing them, teaching them in word and in example, indeed, and disciplining them, getting in their business when necessary. He said, I don't want anybody in my business. If you don't want anybody in your business, then you'll never grow. Because the Bible, God has so rigged this thing, he's so wired this thing, to make it necessary that we be in fellowship, that we be in partnership in this as we push one another on toward Christ-likeness. Either today thank God that you are a child of God or today take seriously your responsibility to father spiritual children around you. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, God, I pray, Lord, that you would take your word today as it's been preached, it's been read, we've sang it. God, I pray, Lord, that you would bring it home. Lord, yes, there's been distraction in this place today, but God, you are the God who spoke the world into being. You are are the God who spoke to the man with the shriveled up arm and he straightened out a new limb. You are the God who told the blind man to go and wash in the pool and he came out seeing. You are the God who said to Lazarus, come forth, and he came out of the tomb. You are the God who came out of the tomb yourself. You are the God who has called us to life. So God I pray today, Lord, that you in this place would do what you do. And God, that you would save. Lord, that you'd have your way. God, that whatever you would do in this place, God, that you would do it. God, I pray this in your name and for your glory. Amen. Ethan's going to play and we're going to sing. In this time, we want to give you an opportunity to reflect and respond. And I know a lot of this message is extremely practical. Maybe we want to keep it at an arm's length so that it's out there and you never have to really touch it. But I want to challenge some of you to respond to this call to be spiritual fathers today. Some of you need to say, maybe you need to come and you need to repent. Not to me, but to God. Maybe you can sit right where you are. Maybe you need to come and kneel across the front and you need to just say, God, I have not taken seriously your command on my life to make disciples. And maybe today, that's exactly what you need to do. Maybe there's somebody in your life right now of you know. And God's put them in your life so that you might disciple them. And today, maybe you just need to spend some time praying and saying, God, 
I don't know exactly how, I don't know all of the answers, but God, would you help me to be intentional to father that child of yours? Maybe today you're here and you've never received Christ as your Savior. Today you need to turn from your sin and trust Christ and be saved. Whatever it is God's leading you to do, maybe to join this church, whatever it may be, I'm going to be sitting right down here on the front as Ethan prompts and, and leads us in, in how we're going to close out the service. Feel free to come to me. I'd love for you to come to me. and I'd love to help you any way I can. I'd love to pray with you. However God leads you today, say yes to him. Let's respond as God leads. This time of teaching is brought to you by Abner Creek Baptist Church. For more information, visit www.abnercreekbaptist.com.